Ohio Valley Books. Here's what I've been reading lately. Written and read for you by me, Tamla Rich. Say what you will about the also-bought algorithms of online sellers. For me, there's no way to outdo a human bookseller near your research. During my June trip to Kentucky, I went on a book buying spree at both Roebling Books and Coffee in Covington and Carmichael's Bookstore in Louisville. Here's a scoop on some of the titles I bought and why. Just some, I bought a whole lot more. First, I have two books about Germans in the Ohio Valley, German Heritage Guide to the Greater Cincinnati Area and the German Heritage Guide to the State of Ohio. In my most recent post about Covington, Kentucky, I mentioned the large influx of Germans to the Cincinnati area after the Great War, World War I. I couldn't have done that without the scholarship of Don Heinrich Tolzman, who wrote these two books, and I will rely on them as I continue exploring the region. Thanks to Emily at Roebling Books for introducing them to me. Now I have two books on the Underground Railroad. Emily at Roebling also turned me on to these books. Ripley is about 50 miles upriver from Cincinnati. And uh, in my newsletter, I have a photograph of the, the two books I'm gonna tell you about, along with a brochure from Claremont County's Freedom Trail, because they are all linked to the Underground Railroad. Claremont County is home to several abolitionist communities where many Southerners moved and freed their enslaved workers. President Grant was born in Claremont County. The first book is Beyond the River. It brings to life the stories of men and women, both black and white, who fought against slavery along the Ohio River through the Ripley line of the Underground Railroad. I've heard this called the war before the war, the Underground Railroad that is. The second book is His Promised Land, focused on John P. Parker, who may be the most interesting American ever born. Born to an enslaved mother and a white Virginian aristocrat, as he calls it in his slave narrative, he was sold at the age of eight and eventually bought his freedom after many harrowing runaway attempts detailed in the book. When he made it to Ohio, he literally worked day and night, by day as an inventor and business owner, and by night as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. He was issued U.S. patents for an improved tobacco press, a portable tobacco press, and a soil pulverizer, and used his money to send his sons to university. Someone should make a biopic of him. Now I have three books set in Louisville. Sometimes the best way to absorb history is through the lens of a small community instead of a metropolis, a state, a region, or a country. So I wanna tell you about two books here about that are about neighborhoods, Louisville neighborhoods. The first is if you write me a letter, send it here. It's a collection of essays by Russell residents about the neighborhood's history, current state, and future prospects. Honestly, I bought the book based on its cover. There's a jaunty little fellow sitting on the hood of a car in big sunglasses and a hat. Um, I, that may be why I, I bought it, but I'm reading the stories because they're insightful. 
The gorgeous full color book on thickly coated pages is a project of the Louisville Story Program. Second is a, another micro history of another Louisville neighborhood, Portland. The nearly forgotten history of Portland, Kentucky starts with prehistory and colonial history, then carries us through the Industrial Revolution and the Civil War. We see how the Ohio River town shaped the destinies of Daniel Boone, Abraham Lincoln, Henry Clay, William Lytle, John James Audubon, Lewis and Clark, as well as America's first female riverboat captain, Mary Millicent Miller. I'll tell you about the Louisville Anthology uh, in just a little bit. The third book, the Louisville Anthology. Next, I have two books from Cincinnati about the 2001 uprising. Um, it's interesting. They really book in the spectrum of opinion about why the riot raged, what was at stake, and what was accomplished in the aftermath. A lot of people don't remember this because it happened um, a few short weeks before the um, uh, the bombing of the Twin Towers on 9-11. Well, yeah, so that was... That was September, and these this uprising was in April. So, it uh, the news cycle superseded it. But anyway, for those who would like to do their own research on the matter before making up their mind what happened in Cincinnati that day in two thousand one, here's your big chance. The graphic story in Six Days in Cincinnati is from the viewpoint of a man who was in high school when he joined the protests against police violence. The other book, Behind the Lines, written by the former editorial page editor of the Cincinnati Inquirer, focuses on the major players in the conflict and concludes with what happened to each of them in the aftermath. Nary the Twain accounts shall meet, which is still the case in the present day discourses. Next, I have three books on Kentucky history. Now, I have always been a horsey girl. I've toured several thoroughbred racing barns in the Bluegrass region, as well as the tracks at Keeneland and Churchill Downs. So you will not be surprised that I'm reading The Hidden History of Horse Racing in Kentucky. It's a slim volume full of historical photographs and etchings, and I'll, I'll knock it out in a weekend and let you know what I think. The two other books I've pictured in the newsletter explore aspects of Kentucky's history as a slave state. When Congress established the Northwest Territory north of the Ohio River as slavery-free in 1787, the river became the longest slave board boundary in the United States. I'd love to do an experiment with average Americans and ask if Kentucky was a Union or a Confederate state. I would have failed the quiz. Kentucky did not join the Confederacy, although it was a slave state. Two books. First, Creating a Confederate Kentucky explains why Kentucky acts like a former Confederate state up to the present day, even though it never seceded. This identity didn't begin to form until the war was over. Now, I'm being simplistic here, but in a nutshell, white Kentuckians had expected to be rewarded for their loyalty by being permitted to remain a slave state. The book quotes one Kentucky soldier who said, 
I enlisted to fight for the Union and the Constitution, but Lincoln puts a different construction on things and now has us Union men fighting for his abolition platform and thus making us a horde of subjugators, house burners, Negro thieves, and devastators of private property. I'm about a third of the way through it now, and I'll, I'll let you know more when I've finished. The second book is called Freedom on the Border, and it's a curated collection of oral histories from folks who lived during the civil rights movement. Both black and white voices are included for each topic. Um, so each chapter is a different topic. And I've read the first chapter called Living Under Segregation that includes a story from a white woman who had invited a college friend from New York home to Louisville for the weekend. And this is a direct quote. We're walking down the platform to go into the straight to the station. And I turn around and Sandy is white as a ghost. I mean, she stopped in her tracks and she's white as a ghost. I followed her eyes. Where was she looking? And what she saw was white and colored. A white drinking fountain, a colored drinking fountain, a white waiting room, a colored waiting room. She was horrified. I took this experience with a stranger. It, it took this experience with a stranger for me to see it. I had never seen it before. And finally, uh, I have some city anthologies. Um, one from Cincinnati, one from Pittsburgh, one from Louisville. And then I also have a neighborhood guidebook to Pittsburgh. Belt Publishing offers a wide range of city anthologies and neighborhood guidebooks for Rust Belt cities. They include essays, poetries, and sometimes graphic stories from writers with unique perspectives on what it's like to live, work, and love in each city. I've seen some of the anthologies in indie bookstores, including Carmichael's in Louisville, but you can buy them directly from the publisher or any online retailer. Okay, now it's your turn to recommend books from the Ohio River Valley. I am especially interested in topics from Indiana and Illinois, as well as local booksellers in those states. I'll be up that way again soon. So please give me your best recommendations. And I will see you next time here on the 981 Project. Thanks for subscribing. Please share this post.